The following podcast contains assloads of spoilers. We here at Two Nerdskis in a Podcast are firm believers in preserving all the surprises of a genuine film viewing experience. And Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time. Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ever dance with the devil in the bed? Inconceivable! Cowabunga! I thought this was a party! It's two Nerdskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. All right. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Two Nerdskis in a Podcast. Where we're on our what are we? Some sort of Suicide Squad. <laughs> we're just a couple of two Nerdskis who like to talk about everything pop culture and entertainment. And of course, as always, I'm one of your Nerdskis. This is Eric, and this is Jeff, and we're back, everybody. I apologize for the long delay. I don't. Uh, it's been a <laughs> well. It's funny. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, you know, sometimes. Sometimes we don't have everything, but um, in, in this case, um, you know, it's always good to take a mental break every once in a while or so. And, you know, some people need it more than others. And that's true. Like, um, I, I, I do have to stay the fuck away from this guy sometimes to keep my sanity <laughs> intact. But in seri- in all seriousness, people, doesn't matter what you're going through, even if it's good, you know, even if there's a lot of good things going for you, you know, take a take a moment to. Check yourself emotionally, mentally, and physically, and just recharge those batteries. That's all I'm going to say at this point. But check yourself, uh, wreck yourself. <laughs> okay, so before we jump into today's topic, I think it's time for a little check in, ladies and gentlemen. This is the recommendation section. This is the little section here where me and Jeff talk about everything that's basically. All everything that we've watched, that means including movies and television and, or any video games that we've played or whatnot. And uh, I know I've got a few. I do not know about Jeff. So, um, Jeff, last time you didn't have too much, um, but you had some things in there. So why don't you kick it off this time around? You have any uh, recommendations for everybody? Uh, let's see. Well, right now I am uh, rewatching Boardwalk Empire, and it is one of the greatest fucking shows ever made and i think it's criminally underrated it's uh the shortest way i can describe it is picture breaking bad-esque in the prohibition era and it's like it's not as crazy fast-paced as as breaking bad but it uh, it is executive produced by Martin Scorsese, so it definitely has that tone and that feel to some of his uh, to some of his gangster films, and it's wonderfully acted, wonderfully made. It uh, it terrific show. I uh, I'm I'm still on season season one, but it's uh, it's all gradually coming back to me because I I kind of discovered the show initially by complete accident and. I got completely hooked and I was able to watch the final season as it, uh, as it was premiering. So Dev, I think it was back in what, like 2014, I want to say. So it's been a few years, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun uh, going through the show again. 
how many seasons did it run for? Five seasons. Five? Okay. So you're saying it started in 20... Did it end? Did you say it ended in 2014? So it must have started in what, 2019? I mean, not 2019, 2009. Oh, yeah. I want to say... I think maybe 2010. I want. I want to say or 2009. Uh, okay. Def- yeah, definitely, uh, definitely one of those. Uh, but yeah, phenomenal show. Especially if you're if you like gangster films, it's basically one long ass gangster movie. So don't pass up Boardwalk Empire. Phenomenal series. Um, in terms of movies, I I'm actually working on a. Uh, uh, I'm in the early stages of uh, launching uh, a review channel, you know, just nothing too formal or serious. Mostly just me just dicking around, talking shit uh, about about movies, sometimes creature features, sometimes, you know, whatever. I, I don't really have a theme. I'm just I'm just fucking rolling with it. And I've been rewatching a ton of uh, alligator and crocodile movies. So <laughs> those have been uh, those have been fun uh to uh go through all some of them uh because a few of them i forgot how fucking awful they were uh let's see so rewatch the original alligator from 1980 awesome creature feature and is that the one with the uh is that the one with the movie poster i'm thinking of uh with the alligator in in the sewer yeah yep that's the one yeah right <laughs> so that uh so kind of a funny connection right right here if you're a breaking bad fan the movie starred uh, Robert Foster, who everyone knows as the vacuum salesman. Oh, yeah. And in a Brian Cranston's autobiography, he said that one of his first jobs was uh, was an assistant on Alligator. So those two huh. actors, so those two actors, they uh, they ran into each other decades before Breaking Bad. So it's always cool how, how worlds collide like that. Uh, then watch Alligator 2. It's dog shit. It's never been released <laughs> on DVD for obvious fucking reasons because it's awful. Uh, let's see. There was Toby Hooper's Crocodile, Guilty Pleasure Trash. Uh, like I, I won't spoil the whole thing, uh, but the uh, one movie that I loved as a kid, but rewatching, I fucking hated everything about it. Lake Placid. <laughs> I should love this movie, but I fucking hated everything about it. It's it tries to be a comedy, but it's not fucking funny. It tries to be a horror movie. The horror is so fucking mild at best. And it, it not even Bill fucking Pullman, the greatest president in movie say, history. It he's in that, right? it. Like yeah. you have this you have this awesome looking animatronic crocodile designed by Stan Winston. And they didn't do shit with it. Like they, wow. th- there was like one, there was like one semi tense scene where, uh, where the crocodile is like slowly gliding towards Oliver Platt when he's in the water and he's like trying to make his way back up back to a helicopter. So uh, one okay scene, but you have this great cast like Bill Pullman, uh, Brendan Gleeson, Oliver Platt, fucking Betty White is in it. God bless you, Betty White. Wait, what? Betty White's in it. Yes. No and way. She, and she's she she's the best part of it because she's Betty fucking White. Please live forever. Uh and she's going to be 100 this year, I think. Uh or and, or next year, right? I if she makes it to 100, then we need to put that woman on the biggest fucking pedestal in the 
world. That, <laughs> Betty White is uh, a national uh, treasure, okay? Yes, she is. Uh, but the uh, – because it, it's weird. Like, I watched so many creature features uh, back in the day that a lot of them just sort of blended in into my mind. And so I kind of – I felt like I remembered all these different uh, sequences of the crocodile uh, just tearing shit into people. And so I was kind of excited to rewatch it, but I must have like mixed that up with other crocodile movies that I saw back in the day because two fucking people die in this movie. And it's like, maybe we'll like, maybe we'll save Lake Placid for another day because I, I could rant about that movie. Yeah, some shit to say about that. That that movie's awful, but I got got one more. Uh, Well, hold on real quickly. Since, since we're still talking about Lake Placid, didn't they make a Anaconda versus Lake Placid movie? That's the only one I kind of want to see. <laughs> well, I, don't, I feel like I, we should watch that and review it for this. Because <laughs> uh, Anaconda and Anacondas, I love those fucking movies. Like, very much up there in my ultimate guilty pleasures, especially the first one. I didn't see the two direct-to-DVD sequels that they, uh, that they came out with later mm-hmm. on. Uh, but when they announced Lake Placid versus Anaconda, I was like... All right, I'm mildly curious. <laughs> All right, so what's your uh, what's the last one on your list? Uh, so finally, it's the uh, 2007 film Rogue, and it's an Australian horror film about a uh, about a group of tourists that are uh, that are going down the uh, uh, down this uh, this river in the Australian outback, and this giant ass saltwater crocodile, uh, you know, like. They invade his territory. They fuck. It fucks up their boat, and they're stuck on this small piece of land in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the water. That's quickly uh, having uh, rising tides, and it is intense as fuck because the way that they portray the crocodile is fantastic. It's uh, because in Lake Placid, when uh, when that thing was finally out of the water, it was just running around at top speed and the weight of it in no way matched the speed that thing was going at. And so it just looked like this, it just looked like a CGI monster. And so, but in this movie, it's slow, it's lumbering, it's making all those creepy hissing noises that crocodiles make. Like it Mm. looks like a full living, breathing creature. And there's this awesome behind the scenes video of them uh, designing the animatronic uh, that they used in the movie, and it looks terrific. So if you're if you're a fan of creature features, Rogue from 2007, uh, it actually has a Sam Worthington before uh, before he got big for 15 minutes. Hmm. All right. Um. Actually, um. You don't have to. T- you don't have to talk about it a whole lot, but there. I'm. There is one movie. I'm surprised you haven't brought up yet. Um. We can just briefly mention it because I feel like maybe it's a future episode. But didn't you tell me you saw a certain Nick Cage movie recently? Oh, shit. That's right. I did. Yes, I saw Pig. And it's my favorite movie of the fucking year. I'm not going to I'm not going to go too much into it. But go see Pig for the love of God. Go see Pig. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, um, I've been. I've kind of been all over the place for me. Um, I guess I guess what I will say is I recently rewatched um, Batman Begins um, because that's kind of like 
I was on, a, I was on, I'm on my superhero like movie binge again, or just superhero, all things superhero binge as usual. Um, so it's, it's today not the ending and why? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Batman Begins, of, of course, the first movie in Nolan's Christopher Nolan's uh, Dark Knight trilogy, and you know everyone loves everyone loves the Dark Knight, um, and it is a it is a classic. It is one of the best sequels ever made. Um, and of course, um, of course, you know, Dark Knight Rises. Say what you will, but you know, it is it is the conclusion. Jeff thinks it's a bad movie. I'm not of that category, um, but we can we if we will, we probably might talk about it at some point. But um, Batman Begins, though, you know, I think that's you know that movie has definitely been overshadowed by its sequel. Um, and Batman Begins, I feel like, is like one of the best origin stories for a superhero movie um, in general. Um, just the way they retell the origin of Batman for this uh, story is very you get in, you really get into the psychic of Bruce Wayne and how he decides that this is what he wants to do. This is how he's going to honor his family. This is how he's going to avenge them. This is how he's going to uh, save Gotham. He's going to uh, show the people of Gotham that they're unafraid of scum like uh, Carmen Falcone and uh, the Scarecrow and all those people. And so he decides he's going to become the thing that he fears the most and he's going to use that to share on his enemies. Um, the script it, for yeah, Terminator Salvation. Yeah, and then there's Terminator Salvation right after that. But no, this is this truly is like one of the best superhero movies made, um, at least in the last within the last 20 years. And I definitely think it's been overshadowed by its sequel for sure. Um, in terms of the other sequel I rewatched, um, Spider-Man 2. And I'm going to save that one because once Spider-Man No Way Home gets closer, um, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about the Sam Raimi movies for sure. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but I forgot just how powerful that movie is and how it's, it's more than just, it's more than just a, it's, it's not your typical superhero movie, much like the dark Knight trilogy and Batman begins. Um, it dives more into, I, it also dives more into the psychic of, um, being a superhero and, what it kind of does for you when you're not able to have that balance in life. And so I, I think I'm just going to leave it there for that, but yes. Um, it's also and total, then I've just been re I was going to say Spider-Man was, was all Spider-Man two is also a memester piece. Well, the entire trilogy is a memester piece. Um, this is true. Yeah. So I would say, don't just I would say Raimi, the Raimi trilogy and the star Wars prequels are the definitive meme trilogies. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, when you think about it, yes, they are. You don't nearly get that kind of meme memeing out of um the original movies or e not even or even the uh I mean, you kind of can but the at Disney least, stuff. But it's like with uh what Disney stuff? Uh <laughs> but with uh Ouch uh, Cause like with uh, with the prequels and Spider Man, the uh, Raimi trilogy, it's like you can almost take any random ass line of dialogue and somehow create a functional meme around it. It's wonderful. Like pizza Parker, everybody pizza time. 
Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> Eat uh, your vegetables. <laughs> God bless you, Toby. Uh, we, we we were not ready for how big of a fucking legend that man would become on the internet. Um, I will say, um, he so it's not really a spoiler. Um, spoilers for anyone who's never seen a movie that's like over twenty years old by this point. Don't um, mind me. <laughs> Or close to twenty years old by this point, but um, but I will say there is there is one moment that always makes me like kind of laugh now, um, and it's kind of a serious moment too. So like when Mary Jane sees that Peter is Spider Man, and then the ceiling falls, and it's there's just a moment of pure exquisite acting from Toby. He just goes no, just a look in his face. yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna bring that up again when we talk about Spider-Man Two for sure. Because wow, I, I, I blame the I blame the internet for that. I really do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I because I remember like I like I always I remember watching that completely straight face and just not thinking anything about it. Mm-hmm. And then I then I discovered you Spider-Man YouTube poop videos, <laughs> and then it, it all went downhill from there. Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's a shame. That's a fucking real shame. Um, but hey, great movie. Can't complain. Um, and we will be saving that for the future. Um, so that is the end. Toby, baby. Of the... Nope. <laughs> is that a Spider-Man three reference? <laughs> I'm no. I'm just saying. I'm Team Toby. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, okay, yeah. All right. Well, anyways, that is the end of. The recommendation section. Holy shit. All right. For anyone who actually sat through that for all 17 fucking minutes, uh, thank you. Thank you for your Um, patience. Well, we have some things we have to recommend. You can't just talk about one thing once. But now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to talk about a group of rad tags who probably are out to do some bad shit for the right reasons. Again. uh, Again. Ladies and gentlemen, it's The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn, and was, was released as of uh, this recording only last week, which was August 6, 2021, and um, it is a fucking flop. It is, unfortunately. It definitely is, but um, it we can definitely talk about that later, because that kind of ties into something else I want to talk about, but anyways... Um, so this was so this was a movie that you know a lot of people were kind of like anxious about like how was it going to be but um I've obviously after what was what came out in 2016 with Suicide Squad which was directed by David Ayer and before we before we actually talk about this we probably should talk about the 2016 movie because you know I have to I have to apologize to David Ayer um I still think that what was released is pretty shit. Um, it's pretty universally. I do think universal. I think it definitely was not a good movie. Um, there were some, there were some good moments in there, but what, what came out was, was it was kind of like watching almost, it was kind of like watching what I would watch a year later with the weeding cut of justice league. Um, it, cause the thing is David Ayer actually he made it sounded like he did make cuz so he recently released a, a a note 
that was a, a, about a couple pages long and he posted it on his Twitter, um, basically given his final thoughts on everything in the matter. Cause he says he's no longer going, going to talk about it. And, um, it, it basically, basically lining out everything and saying that like how his, he did have a vision for what he wanted to make. Um, and he shot a movie that it sounds like, um, at least would have been at least good, you know, wouldn't been, would have been horrible, could have been horrible, but you know, at least it would have been watchable. But then obviously after what happened with Batman V Superman, Warner brothers panicked and were like, well, fuck <laughs> now we got to make sure this movie is a little bit lighter and everything. And so they took the movie and make it like Marvel. Exactly. So I don't know how, how you feel on the matter. So but how, how shitty must it be to be David Ayer right now? Because it's like he he gets assigned to this project. He has like six weeks to hash out the script. The studio fucks with it left and right. The the budget gets inflated and it it makes a profit. But he fights for to to get his original cut out there. Doesn't happen. Zack Snyder gets that opportunity, which I mean, given his circumstances, I, I think that was completely justified. But no Ayer cut. And then a new Suicide Squad movie comes out where James Gunn is given unlimited fucking creative control. At least it, that's the impression I got. And the studio doesn't seem to fuck with it too much. And it garners much critical acclaim. And if I was David Ayer, man, I'd be fucking pissed. And I would be too, you know? I mean, because it's a shame. Because it really sounded like, you know... Because I remember based off the original trailers for Suicide Squad before some newer trailers came out with like music trying to vibe with Guardians of the Galaxy, um, it sounded like it was going to be an interesting movie. And then I remember then, I remember being like slightly intrigued, but yeah, me too. With, but yeah. it seems like, well, part of the problem was that those decent looking trailers you hire people to make decent looking trailers. You don't hire the same fucking people to assemble your whole goddamn movie. Yeah. <laughs> you, you Well, no, I mean like there's a difference between people who edit for, tra- I mean, trailer editors and actual film editors, like a film editor actually is, you know, there a, a, a trailer editor is meant to market people. It's, it's a marketing ploy, right? It's a marketing tool to get people into the seats. Yeah, film editors you- actually, their job is to actually make sure the fucking movie is cohesive well, yeah. and coherent because and the trailer, trailer's supposed to grab your attention right away yeah. and supposed to sum up. It, it's basically a pitch to the common viewer to mm-hmm. see if it grabs your attention and if it's worth putting your uh, money and time into. And so when doing a trailer, you got to get right to the fucking point to grab someone's attention. And hopefully by the end you, uh, you succeeded in that. But when you're crafting when you're putting together a movie and you have to actually create a fucking narrative around it rather than just a cool montage of out of context, isolated scenes. That's a completely different ballpark. And you can definitely tell watching that original movie that this thing was hacked to shit in the editing room. Yeah. Cause it felt like, like, like it's, it felt it, like it, it, it it feels like like I get the same impression watching that movie that I got for movies like Justice League or Rise of Skywalker, where you just feel like 
like if you if you have any knowledge on the editing process in the back of your head you can just kind of tell all right this feels like something was taken out right here something doesn't flow right here and it just continues to chip away and when you realize that's throughout the whole fucking movie then oh well, this definitely isn't uh, a director's pure, uh, pure vision. This was a studio mandated cut. Well, for me, I felt like the, at the time I felt like did Baz Luhrmann edit this movie? Because if you watch a Baz Luhrmann movie, like, you know, his editing is like Baz, all over the place. <laughs> See, that's my point. That That's my point. Although I will say I did, I, you know, I wasn't a fan of Moulin Rouge, but I really did like his version of uh, The Great Gatsby. Like, I thought that was a pretty good movie. Um, but, you know, it was I felt like they had taken a cue from Baz Luhrmann's playbook and just like did some weird edits all over the fucking place. Um, I remember one editing well, no, thing wait, that stood well, out to well, me this, the most. Well, th- was, this movie, um, well, that movie was tailor made to sell Hot Topic products. Because if you walked around a hot topic at all in 2016, what was half the shit in there? Joker and Harley Quinn merch. What was one yeah. of the biggest Halloween costumes that year? It was a Harley, Harley Quinn, Quinn costume. and the Joker. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter how fucking terrible the movie was, but teenagers going through their goth phase, they they saw that they saw that movie. They thought it was so edgy and cool, and then it faded away from memory. That movie was a temporary fucking fad and just slipped everyone's mind almost immediately. And it's a shame because there were some definite, there were some good things there. Like Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn was great. Um, I mean, like obviously, obviously Margot's doing what she can with the performance um, or with the writing. Um, Amanda, I mean, Viola Davis is Amanda Waller was really good. Um, Jay Courtney was surprisingly uh, not the worst thing in this movie. Um, I will give and, a, I will give a, the first Suicide Squad movie that it's the first time I saw Jai Courtney uh, perform and I didn't want to kill myself. <laughs> but it's true because every time I used to see Jai Courtney in something, um, I get like, frustrated. Oh, you're you're terrible in in Die Hard. Oh, you're you're an abomin you're an abominable Kyle Reese. I don't like you. Oh, all right, you can act mildly. <laughs> So, uh, so now we transition to 2021. Um, by this point, um, James Gunn um, had been hired. Well, it was like 2017. Or no, it was 2018 when it happened. He had been fired from Marvel because of, because of uh, the current climate that we're in. And, um, and so... Warner Brothers was like, "Hey, uh, do you want to you want to help make this movie?" He's like, "Sure, yeah." And so he goes to make Suicide, The Suicide Squad, and uh, a week ago, as of this recording, the movie comes out. And so, how do we feel about this one? Um, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I think it's, by the way, full spoilers, everybody, because we're gonna. We're definitely going to get into full spoilers for this movie. So um, I'm just going to start. I'm going to get in. We're going to get into my thoughts and then Jeff's thoughts. And we're going to go full spoilers. But yeah, so it was kind of like watching the end. It was like this is the antithesis of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like 
it is definitely lighthearted, but it's violent. It's gory. There's a lot more swearing in it, but it's fun. It's got that heart and charm that I remember seeing in the first Guardians. It's definitely in the second one, too, but more so in the first one. Um, you have characters who are like underdogs. You know, they're not the biggest household names, but, you know, there are these characters who are kind of looking for redemption or whatnot through this horrendous mission that the government has put them on. And um, yeah, you end up really rooting for a bunch of essentially supervillains in the end. Um, there's not a lot of movies. I mean, the first suicide, the first suicide squad tried to do that, but Warner brothers fucked that up. And this time around they gave James the full reign. And uh, yeah, I think it's great. Cause you know, the characters, the main characters that are focused on, uh, you have the polka dot man, you have rat catcher, you have Nanoi King shark, you have the newbie, uh, blood sport. And, um, and then you have peacemaker and of course, Harley's back. And you also have uh Rick flag back as well. Um, captain boomerang's back for a brief moment. Um, <laughs> so you have, you have all these guys here and, uh, yeah, it's it's an it's an it's within the first 15 minutes, I was pretty much hooked and uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself the entire time. Now, I kind of do think it's a little overhyped. I'm not uh, in terms of like everyone saying that it's the absolute best DCEU movie. Um, I'm not saying that it's not one of the best because it definitely is one of the best. But it but for me, you know, having watched the cider cut like almost like. <laughs> A hundred fucking thousand times. Um, I think that might be my my favorite. I know Reese's Man of Steel. Um, I'm not sure where what Jeff's is, but um, you know the DCU has definitely struggled for quite a while, and um, you know I think what separates the DCU from Marvel is that if they do more R-rated titles like this, um, I think, and, and at least they're good successful movies questionable unsuccessful but at least good a good movie at least um people will take notice and start to appreciate what warner brothers and dc are at least trying to do and i think we've talked about that before because you know marvel has played it safe in the past but i mean they are trying different things but they're still playing it a little too safe whereas like dc they had joker even though that's not the dcu and now they have suicide squad um this new one and so i like if they keep this up i i I I am looking forward to seeing the future of the DCU at this point. Although, given the current climate we're in, it sounds like, and cur- given its box office, and seeing well, how Black Widow's done and some other movies, I'm very curious to see where the superhero genre goes. But um, Jeff, I'm going to turn it over to you. What did you think? I dug it. I uh, I dug it quite a bit. So this uh, when they announced it. I really didn't fucking care. Uh, I thought, oh, maybe that'll be interesting. Uh, but the the trailers didn't do much for me. And I was just kind of expecting maybe, you know, uh, kind of like a R-rated Marvel movie. And, you know, just like Guardians of the Galaxy with, you know, a little darker humor. And I don't know. N- nothing about it was really grabbing my attention. And so... I mean, when it uh, when it debuted, you know, I've uh, I'm leeching off this guy's HBO Max account. And so you're welcome. 
And so whenever uh, whenever that came, when I saw it, it was out, I was like, eh, fuck it, I'll watch it. And I was surprised. I was surprised quite a bit. The first 15 minutes, fucking hilarious. And that's kind of what I appreciated about it is that it feels like because James Gunn has a very unique way of of writing and delivering humor and making unlikely characters very likable. And that's what I've always kind of admired about about his writing. And what I also loved about this movie is that because it's R rated, he's you know able to just fucking go for it. You definitely see that this guy has a trauma background. And because That's right, he came from that background, right? Wasn't his Tro- uh, mentor Tro- Lloyd Tro- Kaufman? Tromeo and Juliet. That was his. Yeah, uh, yeah we got to talk some trauma someday. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so with uh, so it, I like that Warner Brothers took a chance on something like this. You know, even though if it doesn't, uh, you know, make a financial return, you know, there's a multitude of reasons, you know, why that happened. I like part of why I'm kind of shifting more towards DC, uh, you know, because after uh, after Endgame, none of the titles that they announced really intrigued me. Like Doctor Strange sounds kind of cool just because I, I love Sam Raimi, but I don't know. It's uh, like I've, I read all the spoilers and shit for like Loki, WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and it it just sounds like very rinse and repeat inconsequential circumstance or uh, outcomes for, for a majority of them. And it just sounds like a fucking waste of time to me. And I'm not a fan of Disney. <laughs> I got a multitude of reasons for that as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just kind of, I'm kind of okay with just drifting away from Marvel, you know, just like, okay, the big, best story has already been told and now just feels like they're milking it and it's just going to be the same old shit with just uh just like swapped out characters that are never going to be as iconic as captain america and iron man and all those uh, all those characters but with dc they're actually experimenting they're actually taking chances you know like they you know, they gave Todd Phillips a modest budget and made Joker. And look how that turned out. They finally, I mean, after, you know, corporate buyout and everything, the Snyder Cut was able to come out. And, you know, because Disney being stupid, they, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they kicked out James Gunn. And so Warner Brothers got him on and just let him do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. Even if it wasn't financially profitable for them in the end, at least, I mean, for one, I think this movie is going to have a very big cult following down, a, uh, down the road. Uh, because it's because everyone that I've talked to really fucking likes this movie a lot. And it has a very unique style of humor to it. And uh, I'm all over the fucking place, but pretty much with what limited knowledge I have on the Suicide Squad, this is more what I expected, at least for the first two thirds, you know, before the big 
big climax is uh, is introduced that felt like what a suicide squad movie should be offbeat weird going on a ran going on a random ass mission that that the government doesn't really want to get their hands dirty with so they just send this group of ragtag losers with uh, that happen to have weird superpowers that's kind of what i wanted from the first movie but it took itself so fucking seriously and it was just it was just a mess in the end this movie at least embraces the insanity of some of its concepts and you know you have characters like polka dot man and uh killer shark and uh rat cat nom nom we'll get to him (laughs) and and it's uh it ultimately does a really good job at adapting the tone of of the comics again with I'm a fucking noob so with what what bare basic idea I have of the of the source material this seems to be a very faithful faithful enough adaptation to at least get the the tone and f- and feel of of those stories down and that's why I think this movie will have a much better lifespan on a, on the home media market. Well, I do agree. I do, I do agree on that front. Although it's funny you mentioned that. So apparently, so after this movie was released, apparently I read, I came across something that said that apparently, um, Suicide, the original Suicide Squad got a huge bump in viewership on HBO Max, like over like, I think it was 2.1 million. I'm just quoting what I saw. Um, but um, but yeah, no, th- this one definitely I definitely feel like is going to age very, very well over time. And it's definitely going to have a lot of um, it definitely I don't know if it'll have a cult following, but it's definitely going to be a very it's not, it's definitely not going to be stopped talking about for years to come just because of, just because of how much heart it has. It's basically, it this is basically the true, the real guardians of the galaxy for DC. Uh, like they want, they tried to get it in 2016. It didn't happen. And they, they tried again this time with the actual guy who made it. And uh, it worked. You know, it's funny that I they mentioned it. It's funny. So like it, so Josh Whedon, for Justice League didn't work, but you actually bring on the great. So for whatever reason, <laughs> James Gunn comes in and he makes gold, but that's probably because they actually let him do his own thing. So I appreciate that. But um, yeah, um, I think at this point it's time to actually dig into the movie itself. So everyone, those are our views on the movie. Um, if you want to uh, check it out, it's still on HBO Max. It'll be there until at least... I think around the end of September or the beginning of September or so. But until then, um, also, if you feel safe enough, go watch it in theaters. It's definitely a blast. Um, so anyways, Jeff, how do you feel about all those fucking deaths in the first 15 minutes? That was the moment I got hooked <laughs> because I loved how it fucked with your with your expectations right there it subverted expectations in a good way. Oh yeah. It's uh, because it, it establishes because the way it opens, you're following uh, Michael Rooker and a savant. Yes. And so you're, 
so you're getting the impression, okay, so we're going to follow him for a little while. And then he's introduced to his little group and then they go on their mission and like, oh, there's Captain Boomerang. There's Harley Quinn. There's fucking Weasel. Like, okay, cool. And then the mission happens. He's harmless. And they sure, get, he killed 27 children, but and hey. They get, and they get fucking slaughtered. Yep. And the moment that happened, I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> and then when they show the real team, and then do a flashback leading up to that. I'm like, okay, that's fucking smart. And so, so right off the bat, I like, especially, uh, I, I, I've only seen it the one time, but I think, uh, I'm really curious how that's going to hold up on, uh, on repeat viewings, like with that added context, because, uh, it definitely works on, on your first viewing, especially if you go in completely blind and it's, uh, cause it, it just, goes all over the fucking place with that so yeah i'm really curious how that's gonna hold up uh on repeat viewings you know the funniest thing for me was like seeing was seeing um because we see that michael rooker is like this adamant professional like the savant he's like this is he's this like professional like it seems like he's up for the task and then when he sees that everyone's dying that's when that's and you see him just chicken out and run for his life or swim back and uh, Manuel Waller blows up his head. That's when, like, oh, James Gunn, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. I. While we're on the topic, Viola Davis is fucking wonderful in this movie. Okay, so I liked how. So she was definitely like, like I mentioned earlier, she was one of the best parts about the original movie, right? The original movie, it was all about them um, actually rescuing her from the hot zone. And then like taking out the bad, taking out Cara Delevingne and the Enchantress. But, um, but in this movie, you know, she's, she's not the, uh, she's not the primary, uh, mission or whatnot. She's still, she's, she's a fucking one. asshole. Yeah, she's a complete <laughs> bitch. And she's, I mean, she's wonder, and she's wonderful at it. <laughs> I just want to say, so me and me and Josh, hi Josh, by the way, and our buddy Antoine, um, who I, I God damn it. I want to get on the show. Um, we talked about it after I, I watched it and basically we agreed that this, I mean, in the first movie, she was pretty calm and cool headed in this movie and, and cold blooded in this movie, same here. And then at the end, she's like, turn the fuck back around motherfuckers. That was great. <laughs> and, then, and then she's, and then like when they like, uh, open it, open the case, ma'am, they're not open it. <laughs> Oh wow, Viola! That, I mean, like again, I like Viola Davis, but damn, she hammed it up quite a bit in this movie. I mean, because I feel like in this movie they were actually able to have some fucking fun with it because yeah. because this is such an out of this world, crazy ass world of characters that trying to make it dark and gloomy like they tried in the first movie that doesn't fucking work. You need to have fun with this like and i like how vibrant and colorful this movie is like it perfectly reflects the just like the the way the characters are written because they're they are these colorful characters in a way and you know they all have their own unique uh, personalities and weird but somewhat engaging backstories and oh god i i cannot wait to get to the to the rest of the team um, well, let's talk about the rest of the team then. So, killer fucking shark. 
Hold on. Before we get there, do you want to talk about the people who die first, or do we want to just focus on? I want to talk about Sylvester guy. Stallone as a goddamn shark. Well, we sh- you might also want to mention Steve Ag. So Steve Ag, um, he's he 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 does the he did the physical uh, portrayal on set motion capturing for King Shark, but he also plays the warden for uh bell reeve penitentiary and he's the one who's like uh who unleashed the goddamn kaiju up in this bitch <laughs> that was a great line uh I, i'm paraphrasing that line but um yeah who would have thought that a uh, groot i mean king shark would have been like one of the best characters in the movie let's fucking face it king shark is just groot if he's you're better, a giant fucking shark groot. he's better than groot what are you talking about groot is a <laughs> don't you dare talk shit about groot <laughs> It's God okay when it. you have when you have a shark voiced by Sylvester Stallone saying nom nom and fucking eating people. That's that better than a, fucking awesome. Better than, it's better than Groot. It is pretty fucking. It is pretty fucking awesome. But you know In he's the, it's it it's him. Uh, you know, like they say that Ratcatcher to Cleo, um, she's who's played by Daniela. Uh, Melchior. Um, I, they I say she's the heart of the team, but I would say her, King Shark, and Polka Dot Man are the heart of the team, really. And by I, the way, the uh, the actress who uh, uh, who played a uh, played Ratcatcher, fucking great job. I, I think oh yeah, is, I think this is her first uh, her first major film in uh, and I, I believe in uh, uh, her first uh, American film because I think she comes from a Portuguese film background. And she did a great job. So I, I'm actually looking at some of her IMDb right now, um, or just some of her credits. Actually, so she was the uh, Portuguese. So she comes from Portugal. Um, she's the uh, Portuguese voice for Spider Gwen and in Into the Spider Verse. Interesting. Uh, but no, she. God, her backstory with her father. By the way, her father, played by uh, good old Taika Waititi, um, who is just like a treat in almost everything he does. I mean, he's fucking Korg and Thor Ragnarok. And, uh, he was one of the best parts of the green lantern movie as well. Um, I've, re- I also rewatched that just cause I was like bored one day. Um, but yeah, Taika, he has like one of the best lines in the entire movie is like, uh, pop. Well, she's like pop, like in, in her. Tr- so basically he, you know, he struggled with his life. He, he was a drug addict and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he taught, Cleo how to like uh, train rats or command rats with her little tool and everything and whatnot. And uh, one night and they, they use rats to steal things and that's how they get their money. But his drug addiction got the better of him and he did die of an overdose. But before he died, they have a moment um, and it's like one of the most heartbreaking lines and also one of the most heartfelt lines. And she asked him like, uh, why do, why do people hate rats? He goes, Rats are the lowliest and most despised of all creatures. But if they have purpose, so do we all. And you're like, fucking hits in the fucking feelings right there. <laughs> that was a great line. And uh, yeah, I, lo- I love that line. But um, I don't know how you felt about, about that line, but geez. And uh, can I just say Sebastian is like one of the... I wish I had a rat like Sebastian. That would have been... Sebastian seems like a nice, a nice rat. Um, I yeah, love, I, I love how like Sebastian loves Bloodsport, but in Bloodsport's like, you get the fuck away from me. <laughs> okay, and I, I do want to say, uh, so moving on to a uh, Bloodsport, aka not Will Smith, uh, <laughs> Idris Elba, 
because let, let's face it like it it's pretty much the same fucking character just written better because uh, it's because uh, what I do love is that uh, you know like the moment uh, Idris Elba is introduced and they're you know they're bringing his daughter in at first I'm like oh god damn it you're just gonna do the same fucking thing again with Will Smith and his daughter and then he just fucking rages on her and the way that they just the way he just like tears into into her with brutal fucking words and honesty i was like damn this movie went for it (laughs) it didn't fucking hold back pulling their punches i'll definitely say that much like good that's good writing and direction again on james gunn's part like really showing more of that i mean it 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 helps to separate blood sport from deadshot right like because you know like deadshot truly loved his daughter but it sounds like blood sport in this case he was like he didn't really want his daughter. He didn't really want his daughter to get close to him because of the life he led. After all, the reason he he's in prison is because he took a kryptonite bullet and put and shot it at Superman, and Superman was put in the ICU as a result. By the way, I want fucking Henry Cavill back in the fucking DCEU as Superman. He deserves that fucking much. Eric, but that's besides Eric, the point. Aren't aren't you excited for new Superman produced by J.J. Abrams? Um, I'm not going to go there, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not having that. I'm not having JJ this discussion. Is a fucking hack. Anyway, uh, I'm not having that discussion with you. Um, right now I'm right, <laughs> but, um, I don't have, I don't have any opinions on that, honestly, but that's neither here nor there, I know, but I know, I know how you feel. And I don't actually, you don't, but, uh, again, that's neither here nor there, but anyways, oh, um, um, anyways, but what I like, what I definitely like, as Jeff pointed out, is that like, yeah, instead of like actually caring about his daughter, well, he kind of cares about his daughter because like it's the fucking reason he ends up joining is because fucking Amanda Waller's like, well, I'm going to put her in Louisiana court and she'll be tried as an adult and I can make that not happen if you do this little thing for me. Um, and he's like, fuck, fuck, I don't want her ending up like me. So he's like, yeah. But uh, you're, I'm right. You're right. Because like, actually, you know, I thought it was a pretty heartfelt moment and then I couldn't stop. I couldn't help but feel like chuckling a bit here and there. Cause I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of a funny argument. Um, <laughs> so um, he, he's truly, but you know, despite, despite having this, uh, despite putting Superman in the ICU, he actually is a kind of, he is a good man. Unlike his, unlike the other man on this list, his name is John Cena. Da, 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 da. Uh, John Cena as the peacemaker. Uh, what? I was quite surprised. So, like, you know, John Cena in the past has like he's been all right. He's 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 done some like okay work. I mean, he, anyone remembers a, the Marine? Anybody? <laughs> so, so John Cena can be a lot of fun when he's not shilling for China. Um, I didn't think we were. I didn't. I didn't Oh, I went there. I w- see. This is the kind of shit I don't want talking about. But anyways, but uh, he uh, yeah. But either way, he he does a really good, he does a really good performance in this. Like I I liked how you know he says some pretty uh, funny things, but like in the end, like he's a pretty intimidating uh, presence. Like um, he says he'll do anything at the cost of pe- to make sure that peace is achieved. If that means killing anyone that means men women and and or children just to make sure that peace 
is achieved. That's pretty ruthless. And like, it was kind of hard to take him seriously with that outfit because that's I mean, such a colorful outfit he wears. But I mean, um, like, I kind of like that he was like this really fucked up Captain America. He is actually. Yeah. Well, what's funny is like, so when they go to when they basically secretly ambush that rebel base uh, when they're looking for Rick flag, they're essentially just having a giant dick measuring contest showing them like how they can kill everyone effectively. And I remember my buddy told me like he laughed at the one moment where like a uh, uh, peacemaker just walks up to this guy lying in a bed and just like, just like shanks him like multiple times while walking by calmly and just like whips his, whips his ax away back in the process. Like Jesus, <laughs> I, I was like, shit. And then like, uh, uh, you lose non-lethal bullets, like explosive compression bullet. I don't think that is the right actual term, but basically it was an exploding bullet and wow. And then I remember like how uh, King shark just swallows a whole guy up. Uh, and, um, that was, that was pretty gruesome too, especially, Oh no. Can we, can we backtrack to that one moment of King shark? So like when, um, King shark, this is also kind of a heartfelt moment. It's like when rat catcher, when rat catcher is uh, trying to, um, be fr- trying to make friends with him. So like after he tries to eat her, um, you know, Bloodsport just shoots him back and, uh, he's got thick skin, so he can't be hit by bullets. So it's just going to be a nice punch, big punch back. Um, but he's like, uh, Nanu, I know friends. And she's like, do you want to be friends? And he's like, you be friend. Yes. And uh, it's a good moment, but what really threw me off was just seeing John Cena and those tidy whities And I'm like, I had the exact same expression as uh, Idris Elba. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> this is a heartfelt moment. And James Gunn is killing, <laughs> kind of killing the moment with John Cena with in those tidy whities I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. It's only been a couple episodes since we talked about Watchmen. I don't need to think about that fucking thing all over again. Jesus. But anyways, I mean, that's hey, just it, me. It's either John Cena or, or Terry O'Quinn. You pick. Uh, okay, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Listen to our episode about the stepfather for more information, folks. Um, and our Watchmen episode as well. But anyways, um, we, you know what's really messed up? We're seeing... Um, We've seen Polka Dot Man talk about like how it, it it's also a fucked up thing where an origin he talks about where like his mom wanted to create superheroes and so she experimented on her children. Some lived, some died, and then Poke- Polka Dot Man got powers and he got his powers from like another dimension. But uh, the side effect is he sees everyone as his mom and it and there are some pretty fucked up moments when he sees everyone as his mom, especially like when we see the team all as his mom and you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm like, Oh, good Lord. That that's a lovely image. Lovely, lovely image. (laughs) That's yeah. Good times. Good times indeed. Um, and then, and then uh, of course, you know, everyone talks about her, but don't forget Harley because, uh, Harley's uh Harley's definitely 
you know, she has some good moments, definitely for sure. It, this is probably so. I didn't see Birds of Prey. I heard it was not that good. So I'm just basing it based off upon the last time I saw her, which was in um, Did anyone see the original Birds Suicide Squad? Um, I do know a few people who watched it, but anyways, so she, so anyways, she uh, she makes nice with the uh, new president of Corto Maltese, which is the location they are sent off to, and um. And uh, she's like, you know, you're, you're a good guy, but, you know, you talk about killing children and pfft, just shoots him and stuff. And uh, she has a she has a really great like escape scene. Um, so like <laughs> she like shoots everything. Uh, she shoots at everyone with those dual M16s and like they all start bleeding flowers and stuff. She gets that um, javelin she got from the from javelin the criminal uh from the other ill-fated team and i by the way i love how like i love how she how he's telling her like uh telling her like save the javelin for and then he croaks and she's like it looks like she's stroking his face but then she just smacks his dead face and it's like for what use it for what what are you talking about and then she's like arrested and then um so fun fact so I think it was basically it was basically just confirmed, but um, apparently it was revealed that when she uh, is using her feet to unlock uh, her chains or whatnot, when she's being hung up like that, that's actually Margot Robbie doing her own stunt. So that's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm going to give kudos to Margot because like, I mean, obviously, you know, it's Margot Robbie. You know, she she is she's proven that not only is she, you know, not one of the one of the most beautiful people on the planet, but she is definitely also a very talented actor in her own right. Like she is not just another pretty face. Like she can, she is worthy of like every award that she um, is nominated for. So she definitely deserves props. Um, but yeah, what a what a uh, what a cast we got, don't we? Like they're all they're all really uh, they all again they all have like pretty fucked up things, which again, really reminds me of the first Guardians, like, you know, like Star-Lord and his, and his, like, parental issues. Um, same thing with Gamora and her connection with Thanos, and we don't even know what's going on with Groot, but we know that um, Rocket is, you know, trying to trying to one-up everyone, and then, you know, Drax with his family and stuff and whatnot. But yeah, it's very much the same thing here, but, like, just with a little bit more blood and gore, and, uh, the other thing I will mention too, I, I um is that James Gunn, he knows how to rock a school like music for a film. And um um that song, I forget, I don't remember the song he uses. Uh, it's like Ain't Nobody or whatnot. Um the song that's played during Harley's Escape. That was a great song. So like James Gunn always knows how to like rock on the rock on the music with that in that regard so but um yeah do you have any thoughts no not really (laughs) oh yeah but uh well i mean so well how do you feel let me ask you this so we find out why they're going to quarter maltese and that's to um that's to find out that uh quarter maltese has star of the conqueror which is this giant alien starfish that uh, was brought back 
from space and um, has been experimented on for over 30 years. And the thinker, um, which is this metahuman scientist, uh, has been experimenting on him and basically um, using him for all his experiments and stuff, aka Project Starfish. But um, what's interesting is that this there's another interesting commentary that everyone's been talking about, and that it's basically show it's basically the fact that um, this movie is another example of just how well. Let's talk about it. Just how fucked up America is and whatnot, or just how some, how, um, how like maybe not just America, but just how anyone will go to keep the dirty little secrets caught and, um, thrown on the, thrown on the rug or whatnot to make sure that everyone, uh, everything is all kumbaya and whatnot, the status quo and whatever just kind of goes to show just how scummy some people are. Um, especially when the peacemaker is willing, is basically been told by, um, Amanda Waller to basically kill everyone just to make sure that the secrets don't go out. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, it's the, the, the climax of the film is just ridiculous. Like it's, it's so over the top, but it's great. Um, just, just like seeing how, uh, King shark is with those like weird little like jello fish things. It's like friends, me find dumb friends <laughs> and then uh then it it explodes um yeah it explodes the tank uh when the bombs go off and then you find out that like oh they're kind of like mini piranhas like little jelly piranhas and you're like ow 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 and thank god he doesn't die because king shark is a godsend literally because he's basically supposed to be a a reincarnated god kind of um yes if they kill him off like, yeah. No. <laughs> I'll. I mean, I'll tell you this much though. I was really sad to see Polka Dot Man die because, like, because he finally, you know, he finally becomes. He finally kind of becomes what his mom intended him to be. He's like, I'm a superhero. I'm a real fucking. And then Starro just crushes him, and you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> and then thankfully, Ratcatcher. Thankfully, Ratcatcher doesn't die. Thank God. Um, and so they're all. They all go and take out. They all go and take out um, Starro, but you know their mission isn't to kill Starro. Their mission is basically just to cover up the fact that uh, that um, the U.S. had any involvement with the start with Project Starfish in the first place. And so, like, one of my favorite moments is when so when uh, Amanda Waller loses her shit and she's about to kill him, and um, <laughs> and like one of her aides just fucking whacks her in the head, <laughs> knocks her out. <laughs> with a golf putter and and they and she's just like motherfucker do your job all right help him out what are you all standing here do your job <laughs> that was great and so uh we get to see the team really like do their thing and uh what what's great is that it's it's a very magical moment when like all the rats basically descend upon Starro and like <laughs> and then uh Harley jumps into his eye and well, just so that's, like, uh, so wait, one thing I wanted to say was that, uh, I never, uh, you know, when I heard the, uh, uh, the extent of the power of Ratcatcher, I was thinking like, like, okay, like I, I can kind of see how that'd be useful, but don't really see that being used practically in a situation like this when you got to 
giant fucking killer starfish going around. But the mm-hmm. way that they uh the way that they actually implement her uh her technique to actually kind of save the day, I thought was actually pretty pretty damn good writing. And the way uh you just see those millions of fucking rats just swarm it and just tear that f- motherfucker apart. It was great. <laughs> I mean, like, and especially when the fact that you have to see that uh, Bloodsport has to give over his phobia of rats because you find out like his father was a dick and he like put him in enclosed space and then uh, for as punishment and uh, that enclosed space had a shit ton of rats. Um, so that's why he has this phobia and like, that's why he's like so squeamish with all this rats. And at the end of the movie, when they're all like loading back onto the, onto the jet to get the hell out, Sebastian, the pet of rat catcher just gets on to just sits on a blood sports leg and uh, just falls asleep. And he's, he just, he's slow. He's just like, okay. And just, just pets the rat. And the movie ends kind of like there. There is one you do see though, um, there is a mid credit sequence. There there's like two. Well, there's one in the middle, and of course there's one at the end, but like the mid the mid credit sequence, um, you see that Weasel, who is played by uh who is played by Sean Gunn, James James's brother. He played a oh, I didn't know Craggle. that funny. Yeah, he played Craggle uh, no, is Craggle? The Crag forget. The assistant of um of Yondu in the Guardians movies, um, he he motion captured as uh, Weasel, and you think Weasel died at the beginning of drowning, but you see that he wakes up and he's like, "All right, he's going to come and be a freak in Corto Maltese in the jungles." And then you see that. So, um, at one point, you th- so before before I should mention the end credit sequence, I should talk about um, just how again ruthless how peacemaker is so like so he kills he kills rick flag who just cannot believe that his government that he put his life for his government only to find out that the government's trying to cover up all these like dirty fucking secrets and then um and then like rat catcher grabs the drive that has all the information and so she runs and basically um peacemaker corners her and then I just, um I just realized appears. Something. what's up this is this is like very similar to the climax of Serenity. I'm trying to remember the climax of Serenity. Uh, so well, yeah, because they uh, so they're yeah in Serenity they're uh, they're trying to get that uh, uh, they're trying to get that message that uh, uh, that the government created the Reavers and then uh, and Mal's trying to uh, get the get the signal out there, but then the operative is uh, is in his way, so they have that fight and I don't know like it. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that until now. It's like it's, it's basically the climax of Serenity. By the way, we're definitely talking about Serenity and Firefly at some Fuck point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is the final way that Bloodsport one ups uh, um, Peacemaker. So like one final dick measuring contest. So they shoot at each other, and um, Bloodsport fires a smaller bullet, and which pierces Peacemaker's bullet, and basically fatally shoots peacemaker in the throat and he dies or does he because we see at the very end um we see that the warden of bell reeve and and another assistant of um another assistant of amanda waller who's actually played by james gunn's girlfriend jennifer holland um 
you see that Bloodsport, I'm mean, not Bloodsport. <laughs> you see that Peacemaker's actually alive. And the reason for that is because John Cena is going to be playing uh, Peacemaker in a series for HBO Max, which I'm actually kind of intrigued for. Well, good thing. Um, uh, well, good thing they started uh, developing that show before the fucking box office re- results came out. Well, you know, it's funny since we're talking about Peacemaker real quick. I thought this was interesting. Uh, I thought this is interesting um, piece of trivia. So I found out recently that um, Peacemaker was part of Charlton Comics before DC bought it out and uh, incorporated their characters. And do you know which character uh, Peace Walker basically inspired Alan Moore? I have no idea. He inspired the comedian for Watchmen. Oh. I mean, and and if you know anything about how the comedian operates, you can kind of see kind of you can see the similarities. Yeah, I can see some parallels. So. So, yeah, the movie's great. Um, It is a lot of fun, um, but it's kind of a shame for the box office. So as we're recording this, of course, at this time, um, you know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Unfortunately, it is what it is, regardless of how everyone feels about the situation. Um, I'm not going to tell anyone how to like do things or whatnot. However you want to do it, that's fine. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I think, you know, people are, you know, it's a shame because this movie definitely is good, but you know, I think there are a few factors going into this one, the, the pandemic. So people don't feel like it, it's safe enough to go out. More people are going to stream it on HBO max. The other thing is HBO max. Another thing too, where like, you know, the deal with um, all these streaming with all these streaming is at least with HBO Max and Disney, like simultaneously air, premiering both their movies on streaming services and in theaters to kind of like, you know, if you can't make it in the theaters, but if you have our streaming service, um, check it out that way. Sure. Disney will make you pay another thirty dollars on top of your subscription to watch that movie watch their movies, but Hey, it's all worth it. Right. At least HBO max will let you watch their movies for free. But then again, it also depends on which plan you have. Um, I have premium, but the point is, is it is kind of killing their business, isn't it? And we talked about it, with it Reese is. and his, we, we talked about with recent in the four hour conversation special that we did with him. But, you know, I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, eventually the future is going to be movies are going to studios are going to release their, products more on the streaming services because at some point people don't want to go to the movie theaters they don't want to pay that extra amount of tickets for an extra amount of money for their tickets and yet they're paying what kind of monthly fee a month for their uh, streaming services doesn't really make any sense it, it made sense it was going to go up there and uh, with the pandemic as you mentioned it jeff multiple times it was just only a matter of time and you know this was kind of like this kind of like sped it up quite a bit and um well, actually, uh, something that I wanted to interject with, I think uh, part of why I think this movie underperformed uh, as much as it did was I don't think there was a very good marketing campaign behind it. Hmm. I, I think uh, we're getting to a point where people are starting to uh, maybe kind of get sick of the superhero genre. That was actually my next point, too. Yeah, because uh, I mean, Black Widow kind of underperformed as well pretty significant well it made its budget back and that was about it but it didn't make the but but when it billions that it made but yeah but well i mean even even if it did amazing like it was never gonna hit that billion dollar mark but 
the fact is these uh, uh at least with uh with black widow i would say part of why i didn't do as well is i mean for one marvel fatigue two the momentum between endgame and black widow it was almost like well like a year and a half two years and yeah. so and everyone just kind of realized well she's fucking dead why would i what's the point which was kind of my stance on it and so i think uh for one it was a it was a major uh strategical error on marvel's part for releasing a movie like black widow after she's fucking dead so i think that bit them in the ass in the long term and and i don't think uh well because movies like godzilla versus kong quiet place part two and even Fast and Furious 9 were still f- decently profitable in the theater. In uh, you know, even uh, I don't think Fast 9 had a uh, had a hybrid release, but even just it going didn't. off, even uh, well, I, I would say Godzilla versus Kong is the best example because it has the exact same release strategy as uh, as the Suicide Squad, and and I think it's. I don't know. I think people are just getting to a point where the they're just kind of over the superhero genre. And even if you're a big fan of of comic book characters, I think it's pretty undeniable that the market has absolutely been saturated and whatever, because Hollywood always goes through phases. And to me, it seems like this phase is getting towards the beginning of the end. And and I think that's a good thing, because we need to move on to other things at some point. Like you can only keep up a fad for, for so long, even if you get the right talent and uh, people behind it, you have a broad demographic of people that are just kind of sick of it. And that's why I think, uh, I think we're going to see less significantly less 150, 200 plus million dollar movies and going to shift back to smaller but smaller budgeted films because movies smaller like, to mid-size yeah yeah and i think that's what they have to do if these major studios want to survive because the billion dollar movie for the foreseeable future is fucking dead marvel is never going to relive those glory days dc is not gonna i mean even with joker 2 uh you know which i it's we know that's going to happen at some point I don't Deadpool that, three as well, yeah. Like, uh, but Joker was a was a modestly budget budgeted film that grossed a billion dollars. Even when the sequel does inevitably come out, I don't think it'll it'll match those uh, those numbers exactly. But if they keep it modestly budget, it'll still make its money back, probably within the opening weekend alone. And I think. I think these major studios need to adopt the Blumhouse formula. I mean, not shit out as much disposable garbage as Blumhouse does, but their strategies are fucking brilliant. They give, uh, you know, they give these creatives a small budget, but to give them a lot of creative freedom for, for the most part, it kind of depends on the project. And they, uh, they essentially, uh, they essentially give their focus on their marketing and selling it to the right demographic 
and even if the even if the movie doesn't perform great it's very hard for it to actually bomb because i would say their best example is 2018's halloween 15 million dollar budget grosses almost half or actually no grosses more than a quarter of a billion dollars because they played their cards right they they uh they didn't give it this insane like I, I think Rob Zombie's films had like $25 million budgets and they, uh, the, the sequel especially barely grossed uh, 60 million worldwide. So if they cut that budget in half, it would have been much more profitable. And that's where I think that these studios need to start shifting their focus toward because the landscape has completely changed. And if you're going to make big, if you're going to make these big budget extravagant features, then you need to make it fucking count. You're going to have to experiment to grab people's attention. I think DC has been doing the right thing, you know, by letting James Gunn just kind of have at it. Even if it doesn't work out, studios need to take risks again because the more they play it safe, it'll work in the short term. But in a post end post end game world, the a lot of people have shifted away. There's still a there's still a wide audience out there, but it's not the glory days. And unless they start taking risks and letting the creatives creatives I don't think it's going to work out in the long term because who the fuck is actually excited for the Eternals unless you're like a diehard Marvel fan exactly. I would say that in the case well you know because I while you were talking and I and I, I agree with actually pretty much everything you're saying although I would say in this case well I was going to bring it real quick um, was like because I think you know, Deadpool, that was a modest sized budget. It felt like a big budget movie, but and it definitely was, but it wasn't like huge. Well, and that ended up becoming like one of the highest grossing R rated movies ever made. But how um, but because Deadpool had one of the greatest marketing campaigns ever, and that that's what got people excited. Because he basically utilized the fourth wall as his like Exactly. Um, and and they the way they implemented that into their marketing, that grabs that grabbed a lot of people's attention. Especially the fact that it was greenlit because that test footage got leaked. The fact that it was greenlit that got people all that got people really excited, and because a lot of people, myself included, were not familiar with the character, and so seeing all these funny ass trailers and promotional images, it got people excited. And I I saw it opening night, and it was a packed house, and it it made bank. And it was so fun too. Yeah, exactly. And so, if you modest budget, good marketing campaign, you it's doable. You it's, just have it's to absolutely you, doable. And it's doable. You just have to let the right person like let you have at it. Otherwise, if a studio tries to get involved, like well, a studio will be involved in some sort. But if you let them have complete control then they're just gonna have all these ideas and it's just gonna look like a complete fucking mess um and i and i totally agree with that what i would actually propose is 
I I think that um I think that what I would suggest is that like they probably shouldn't Marvel probably should have uh and, and I would say this for DC too but like both Warner Brothers and Disney really should have like kind of take a break like Marvel should have really taken a break right after Endgame and just like like right after Far From Home just be like all right we're going to take a few years off or whatnot and let it like rejuvenate because then you're right. It's going to, the market's already getting oversaturated as is as for someone like me who loves superheroes. I love superhero comics. Like some of my all time favorite movies are superhero comic or just superhero or comic book movies in general. Even I'm like, okay, this is getting pretty, this is getting like pretty out of hand. It's like, there's like a super as like, there's like a superhero movie, like almost like every week or like, you know, there's like a superhero television show like being uh, having a new episode like every week or whatnot. It's like there's a new season or so. And especially in the climate we're in right now with like all these like agendas and stuff or whatnot, as eventually like it's not going to feel great. Like what we need, I would agree. You would you probably would want a project that's modest size, like enough to do what you want to do, but not going a little too crazy. But you also want you want it to be a more fresher idea. So I think, I think what really should happen is like, I, I, th- I agree this, like studio should take a break from the stu- superhero genre and see what else is going good right now. Cause like, you know, it's basically, you know, Steven Spielberg called it, you know, superhero movies are going to go like the West where like, there aren't going to be, I mean, superhero movies will still be made, but they won't be in abundance as, as it was between 2008 and now, but, but when they come back, hopefully someone will have a new kind of fresher take. I mean, Lord knows I have some ideas for stories I want to do where like, where like, um, I can't talk about them cause I, I would like people to see them at some point, but, but, but the idea is, is like, you want to see those fresh stories where, you know, something's, someone's taking the idea it's taking a superhero story and and uh, just running with it and but making it fresh and unique and it's not too over the crazy and over the top for example um a quick plug and i've mentioned this before on the show so and i've been following the progress of this so right now um there is a kid out there named gavin Knopp who is making this really cool spider-man fan film called spider-man lotus uh, his Indiegogo is still live. Um, you can still make uh, donations and can still like get perks and whatnot. I recently got a final run of. I recently donated fifty dollars and got a final run copy of of a Blu-ray that will be shipping to me once the movie's finished and whatnot because I want to support this movie and I love the idea that's going for it. It's more of a psychological take on Spider-Man than it, like anything I've seen before. Probably the closest to it would be somewhere along the Sam Raimi movies, but I'm looking forward to that because that's someone who understands the character so well and really like really knows the character inside and out and is trying to do something fresh and interesting with it. It's not a it's 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 not a very big budgeted movie, but fuck it. It looks like a it looks like it's got a great independent independent high budget look to it. Uh, so far with what footage or what teasers have been released. So I'm, I'm far more looking forward to that than I am with um, no way home. Like 
don't get me wrong. I'm still probably going to see that movie, but you know, I'm always, I always want to see what, what new kid has, what their fresh new take is on something. And, uh, I want to support that more than I want to support something more big budgeted. Not to say that I still want to see some big budgeted stuff because, you know, we grew up on the big budget stuff, but I don't know, as you get older, you start to appreciate the actual talent more than what, what the business is pushing out these days. But, but no, I, I totally agree. You really, there really should be, I really do think that there needs to be a, a big break, at least with superhero movies. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, and now it definitely will, it definitely will happen maybe in a couple years or so. But I don't know. I feel like studios are going to keep trying to milk that for such a long time to the point where no one wants to see them anymore. Well, they, they kind of back themselves into a corner by, by, you know, having the superhero genre be their, their main crutch. Mm-hmm. And what I think is missing from a lot of, uh, from like the main uh, connected universes is the fact that they're connected universes. Because if you, when it comes to newcomers, if, it, if you tell them, if they're curious about getting into the MCU, you tell them, oh, well, you just have to watch like 23 movies. Uh, you got to watch these uh, three, uh, three TV shows. And it just sounds like a daunting task. But but you're thinking, oh, well, I, I guess I, I have to watch them because, you know, every one of them seems like an essential piece and half of them are completely fucking dis- uh, disposable. And I agree. And- and so with uh, because, you know, I remember uh, I remember being told like, oh, you, you have to see Captain Marvel to, to understand what happens in Endgame. No, you fucking don't. That was a fucking lie. Did you see you, did you see Captain Marvel? I don't remember if you did or not. I did. OK. And uh, OK. So, yeah. So, it, yes, it, your it, argument is correct because she really almost, didn't add anything to the story. To well, Endgame because, yeah, yeah, it's one of the most nothing movies. And because it doesn't really have major overarching uh, consequences on the story as a whole, and and it's uh, you know I didn't even, I didn't even see Ant Man and the Wasp until like months after I saw Endgame, and it's like it was oh, all right. Well, it wasn't it wasn't like a big it wasn't well, yeah, a big and, deal. It was fun though. Well, and that's the thing. Like it's like okay, well that answers like one question I kind of but not really had, but all right, whatever. And and I think what makes uh, like just as a just uh, as an example, what I think makes something like the Raimi trilogy more interesting to people is uh, the, the fact that we're still talking about them almost two decades later is those movies created their own unique world. It focused on though, like on those characters only like we're not, we're not worried about like what's happening, like what all these other superheroes are up to. We're, we're locked in, to these characters purely on that story into this world. And it makes the story feel more impactful. It makes it because when, uh, because it, I would say like the internal struggle that Peter Parker goes through in Spider-Man two is so much more engaging than anything that fucking Tom Holland goes through because He's actually dealing with major. It's real world like, shit like, compared yeah, to like what? major consequences mm-hmm. and actual rough decisions. And 
and again, like I, I don't dislike Tom Holland, but part of why I don't like his Spider-Man that much is because everything feels so low scale. Like, a, I mean, like I'm, I'm curious to see like how they, how they'll do it in the, in the third film, you know, cause that, that was a decent cliffhanger at the end of uh, far from home, but overall, like it just, the stakes weren't there. It, it just felt like what you expect out of Peter Parker and Spider-Man on a surface level, but there's no substance behind it. And, and that's not his fault. Like I, I blame the writing for that, but I feel like whenever they're trying to focus on, whenever they try to introduce an interesting aspect of the character, they have to pull back and set up like three more movies and that gets really fucking old after a while. And I miss when superheroes, superhero movies were just focusing more on the on the man or woman behind the mask. Mm-hmm. And like there's and, I, and I'm not saying that that reflects the entirety of the MCU because, you know, Captain America and Iron Man like these we've had the opportunity for these characters to grow and develop and we see them go through major conflicts. So it can be done, but I feel like that's been lacking for quite a while. And the fact that we've, that, uh, you know, Tom Holland's made a decent amount of appearances and I'm still not really on board with him. I don't really see how that's going to change at this point. Well, then it it ties back. Well, then it kind of ties back to bring it back to, the Suicide Squad. It kind of. Oh yeah, that it's thing kind of, we were no, talking no, no, about no, earlier. Well, no, hold on, hold on. It's <laughs> well, no, it's kind of a good. Th- it's it's a good point though, because you know they don't really mention any of the past events that have happened. Um, I would say almost it's almost like Warner Brothers is trying to erase all their past mistakes. That's a fucking mistake. I can get into that later. But it, you know, what makes the Suicide Squad movie great in that regard is that you know it's its own little story. The only things yeah. you know that are connected to the overall uh, DCEU is that uh, Amanda Waller um, and Harley Quinn and Rick Flagg and Captain Boomerang are back. Um, there's a mention, um, Bloodsport's mentioned to have used a kryptonite bullet to shoot Superman with and put him in the ICU. Um, you don't really hear about what's going on with Batman or anything like that. There's like a slight reference to Birds of Prey um, in there. They don't really, they mentioned that I'm like, Harley, what are you back in here for? What are you doing here again? <laughs> back in the Suicide Squad. They they only make the slightest small references to the overall DCEU in general. Because, I, I, again, they're, James Gunn is just solely focused on just telling this story about this small ragtag group of ne'er-do-wells and whatnot. And that's what makes this movie works. That's what makes it work in the long run. It's its own self-contained story that has a lot of heart. It's a lot of fun and it's a little really gory and yeah, and that's great and, entertainment. And that's honestly why I think DC has been playing their cards better, you know, cause you know, when you have movies like Joker and the suicide squad, even though the suicide squad is technically connected, I think very vague light references to past movies and just occasional characters crossing over is the way to go because Marvel was so fucking focused on having every small detail connect. And it just, after a while, just becomes so overly complicated and convoluted. 
and mm -hmm. whenever they're trying to explain themselves or write themselves out of uh, any kind of a plot holes, that's time that they're taking away to actually develop their characters a lot more. And, and I think that's when you're, when you're hyper-focusing on having everything just be one, uh, all right, let me take a step back. So part of why I'm not the biggest fan of the MCU, I like it for the most part, but the thing that makes me the, the one thing that holds me back from truly loving it is that half the movies feel like they were made on a conveyor belt. And it feels like it kind like of feels it, like a it, line, right? It feels very assembly line and very few of the MCU movies have their own unique voice, their own vision. Like it just feels like they're just placeholders and okay, just put in a few action scenes, get some quippy lines in there. Cool. We're done. Move on to the next one. And so many, I would say at least half of the MCU movies, I forget about them. The fucking moment, the credits start rolling. I couldn't tell you anything that happened in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I could, I can remember like one or two moments from Captain Marvel, even the first Ant-Man. Like it's like, I remember bits and pieces, but the overall movie for all the good elements that are in there in all those movies, they don't leave lasting impressions, at least, at least on me personally, because mm -hmm. they're just so fucking focused on, on having everything connect. And that I feel has been their ultimate downfall in retrospect. I mean, not, I'm not saying downfall right now because it's still technically a very profitable franchise, but as time goes on, I don't think, I think those movies were so huge in because they were in the moment and they were leading to infinity war and Endgame, And so everyone felt like they had to go out and see the next chapter, which is totally fine in a brilliant, uh, is brilliant for business and you got everyone on board, but as time goes on, you know, who's going to, who's going to sit down and just, uh, and just say to themselves, you know what? I really have the craving to watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. I really mm. have the urge to watch Thor, the dark world. Ah, oh, I haven't seen Iron Man two in so long. I need to pop that motherfucker back, back in my Blu-ray player. No one's going to fucking say that. Because well, so many, because so many of those movies are the goddamn same, but when it comes to DC, they're more or less on the right track because movies like Joker and The Suicide Squad, they're their own vision. They they are able to create their own unique experience. I couldn't tell you. I I remember very little from the original Suicide Squad, but I I'm going to remember. Even if I never watched The Suicide Squad ever again, I'm going to remember the imagery. I'm going to remember the beautiful colors that popped on screen. I'm going to remember some of I'm going to remember the jokes. I'm going to remember isolated moments because and you know, same thing that happened in Guardians of the Galaxy. Even if I don't remember everything from those movies, I remember the look and feel of them. And I think that's extraordinarily important for these movies to have longevity because you need to you still need to create an artistic 
visually pleasing experience. You can't just have you can just ha- you can't just have like the same superhero models just smashing into each other for a big CGI climax all the time. You need mm-hmm. much more around that to for us for audiences audiences to keep coming back. And sometimes it's not going to work out financially speaking, you know, the Suicide Squad, for example. But you need to keep taking those risks. You need to keep experimenting because this is not going to last forever. And uh, if they, if they want to stick around, then they need to give freedom. They need to keep letting the creatives have their creative voice. And I think that's 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 another thing too, isn't it? Like, you know, say what you will about the earlier DCEU movies, but you know, for better or for worse, regardless of how people feel about you know Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, Wonder Woman, um, Justice League, um, Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey, all of those movies, regardless of how you feel about all of them, people have been still talking about them um, for like people are still talking about them and debating about them. Like, I mean, Batman v Superman that came out only about five years ago um, as of this recording and regardless of its reception and whatnot, regardless of how people feel, that's still a highly debated movie to talk about. Like, um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, like, regardless of how you feel, there, regardless of, I think in general, regardless of how bad a movie is or how good a movie is, if it le- if it's left some sort of impression, you're gonna stick with it. And I and Jeff's right, like. With half of the DC, with half of the Marvel movies, um, I didn't get that. But you know, with something like Black Panther, that definitely left an impression on me. Something like, definitely something like Winter Soldier left an impression on me. Um, even even Civil War did, but now I, I thought that was the weakest of the Captain America movies. Um, but maybe okay, maybe not the weakest, but like I don't know, that should have been called Avengers two point five, not Captain America. But I get. I get what people are calling. That's besides the point. The the point is, is like you like movies that are trying, you know, to t- do something different and leave at least a little bit more of a lasting impression. Um, I mean, say what you will about Zack Snyder, but you at least know you're getting a Zack Snyder movie, even if his movies are getting butchered left and right by Warner Brothers. But at, but they do leave an impression on you, to say the least. I mean, like you, I mean, you've heard me and Jeff and Reese talk about the Snyder cut, like how that was, you know, that's just a triumph of like seeing a director's true vision. And it sounds like it carried on and it definitely carried on with it definitely carried on with James Gunn's version of Suicide Squad. It's just a shame that we'll probably never get to see what David Ayer's version was intended to be like because Warner Brothers doesn't want to admit defeat again because that was basically the Snyder cut, them admitting defeat that they failed. But, you know, and then the other thing is to, the other thing is that, well, no, what I was going to say is that, because it sounds like Warner Brothers is trying to not acknowledge, you know, they're not trying. So this was, this was, I think it was a rumored thing, but they're trying to basically not acknowledge all their bad DCEU movies and only acknowledge 
certain ones so that for the flash movie it's basically going to reset everything i'm like that's kind of bullshit because you have to acknowledge the bad movies doesn't matter if they're bad they're part of history and if you don't acknowledge them that's that's bad business at least in my mind but well honestly i i mean i kind of going off uh, what you were just saying right there they don't warner doesn't know what the fuck they're doing they, no, they don't. And they don't like there's no. Uh, I mean, if they. I think they need to. Uh, you know, to actually show some resemblance of competence uh, rather than just throwing sh- throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. You know, if uh, because if you're trying to actually shuffle around uh, movies like Joker, the Batman and this connected universe, unless you're going to mash all that shit together and say, oh, it's all connected, or you're going to have three separate timelines, or or maybe Joker and the Batman are connected, I don't fucking know. But if that's the case, are you going to have two corresponding connected universes? I would say their options are to either... I mean, I, I would say just drop the connected universe unless you're actually building towards something... Or, or just get a fucking grip and just do one-offs and be be ballsy, take chances. It's not gonna always like I keep saying. It's not always gonna work out, but at least you fucking tried. Yeah, and I and I totally agree on that. I mean, again, you know, not every film you're gonna make is gonna be you know amazing or great. It could be the it could be complete crap, but at least you gave it a shot and you can be like, you know what? It is what it is, but it's there for the masses to see if it's it's up to them how they want to see this movie or whatnot. But but yeah, I didn't think this uh, I didn't think we this this little discussion on a certain movie on a single movie was going to turn into this. This is this is eye opening, but it's important to have this discussion because. You know, we all love superhero movies, maybe not all, but, you know, we love seeing big blockbuster movies like the like this and uh, we want to be able to support them. But, you know, there is such thing as too much of a good thing. Yes, there is too much because like, you know, there is that thing about Mark Hamill. He said a long time ago that um, Batman Arkham City was supposed to be his last time as the Joker because he's like, when you're on a high, get out. And, you know. He did for a little bit and then he's and then he's still voicing the Joker for Arkham Knight and then like a few other DC projects. But the point is, is like when you're on a high, it's probably best to get the hell out and maybe try some other stuff That's uh, because like, that, that's, that's exactly why the MCU stopped at Endgame for me. Um, but and again, that's that's an understandable argument. Some people I mean, for me, I'm curious. I'm looking for I'm not looking forward to seeing the DC, I mean, the Marvel movie, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies as much anymore. Cause you know, you know, the hype isn't there for me anymore, but something like the Batman, which looks like it could potentially be an R rated Batman movie. I mean, we technically already got that with Joker, but the point is to potentially see a, a, an R rated Batman movie is far more interesting to me than seeing a movie about, an ancient race of aliens who were there to observe everything that happened in the MCU, but never really interfered until now that intrigues me more. 
also the fucking trailer for that movie is just all to die for. <laughs> well, 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 again, like it's it's taking a chance because, you know, I'm not fully sold on Robert Pattinson, but I'm curious to see what it can do with it. Just like how I I was very I was taken aback when Joaquin Phoenix was announced to play the Joker, but I didn't know what he what he was going to do with it. And he turned in one of the greatest performances in the last decade. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing, too. Like, we all, it reminds me of the Ben Affleck thing, too. Like, we were all surprised that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman, and he ends up being, like, one of the best things in one of the most controversial superhero movies of the last 20 years. So, who knows? Um, But, yeah, it's funny, it's funny, isn't it, how, like, one movie, like, The Suicide Squad has basically sparked this conversation that not only we're having, but basically I think everyone else is having. So I'd be very curious to see what happens in the next 20 years or so. But, um, well, Jeff, overall, I, aside from all this, this, all this discussions we've had about the future of the genre, it sounds like we both agree the suicide squad is a bloody fun time to say the least. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'd say it's, uh, like a, I mean, I didn't see it in theaters, but I I would not have regretted uh, paying uh, paying for a ticket to go see it. Uh, I mean, if if that's not what you're willing to do, uh, then free trial for HBO Max or what realistically everyone is is probably doing is torrenting it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see that that's why you don't do same day fucking releases, you dumbasses. Uh, I mean, look at Scarlett Johansson. Now she's suing Disney. So is uh, potentially Emma Stone. And now it's Gerard Butler for uh, his royalties on uh, Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up, studios. Yeah. Yeah. And so whenever uh, whenever someone tries to say, Disney's the happiest place on Earth, just laugh in their fucking faces. Um, yeah. Um, but anyways, folks, uh, thanks for bearing with us for this uh, r- triumphant return back to your ears or whatnot. So we hope you enjoyed this episode uh, slash hopefully installment. We, ho- hopefully we're able to deliver multiple eargasms. <laughs> so uh, in the meantime, folks, be sure to follow us on Instagram on uh, TNAPCAST. That's T-N-A-A-P-C-A-S-T. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on the videos. Be sure to s- subscribe as well and uh, com- and give us comments or like suggestions for any future episodes. Be sure, to, of course, to f- listen to Spotify and or Apple Podcasts because that's where we are. Um, little plug for myself, too. You heard Jeff talking about him coming back to youtube to just talk to shoot the shit or whatnot about stuff um i am in the midst of beat guard um um i'm it's gonna sound like i'm cheating but i'm not but i'm also in the midst of starting my uh separate podcast of my own um i have not decided on the title of it but it's essentially it's gonna be me going no hards no holds barred myself talking about kind of like myself sounds narcissistic but just about some of the life experiences i've had and like any lessons i can impart on and basically kind of just like uh me um just talking about stuff and it'll be in much shorter interval episodes but yep that's uh that's me and uh so be aware of just stay tuned to if you follow me on instagram uh that's armanita rolls um (laughs) 
but anyways, uh, yes, that's going to do it for this week, everybody. We'll see you back next time. In the meantime, this is Eric. And this is Jeff. You know you missed my voice. Oh, everyone knows we missed your voice. <laughs> they can't, they have, they've had enough of me. They want to hear your voice. So I'm looking forward to your YouTube channel, sir. But why don't you start your own podcast? That'd be cool too. Um, I'm yeah. not kidding. We'll see. Well, anyways, folks, please stay shiny and have a good one. No way. Next.